and we came up Old Lee Highway. Okay. And as we approached uh, Super Saver, it was an old guy, black guy, pulled out in front of us in a Cadillac, smoking like hell. Yeah. <laughs> and it was this guy. Uh, I met him later. They called him Cadillac Man, okay. Mr. Rucker. It was on a Sunday about 2 o'clock. Right. And, well, once he pulled out in front of us and said, he going to the hood. We're going to follow him. Right, right, so right. we just followed him. Well, we came right down here, right down in the street. Yeah. And all the churches had just let out. Yeah. Because back then, churches didn't get out at 2 o'clock. It was black people everywhere. I looked at him. I said, we have a ride. Sitting here with Rodney in R&B Barbershop, I knew from the very beginning of recording this podcast that at some point we would end up in this barbershop. On Saturday mornings, if you're not here by 7 a.m., you're not going to get a haircut before it's all said and done because this place is packed. A true hub of community life. Everything that gets talked about, gets talked about in this barbershop. Relationships are made in this barbershop. All the town news and gossip happens in this barbershop. This is where it's at, and I'm with the man who makes it happen. First of all, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from originally and how you got to Cleveland. All right. um, First of all, I'm Rodney Williams. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um... I arrived in Cleveland in 1999, and I came through recommendation of we need a barbershop. So I've been here since 1999. So and who were who you hearing that from? What kind of people were saying uh, we need a barbershop? Do you have friends and family who were from Cleveland? No, I had a customer, actually, that was driving to Chattanooga, a guy named Wayman Thompson. Okay. He's a real good guy. And he would say, hey, we need a barbershop here. Yeah, he used to always tell me, man, you ought to come to Cleveland. You ought to come to Cleveland. Yeah. And my comment to him was, ain't no black people in Cleveland. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, yeah. and, he, and all he used to say was, you'd be surprised. Sure. So it's a story. I'm, what, you want to hear it? So you can't, yeah, that's, I do want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. tell, I will tell you the story. Yeah. Um, I had a partner. Real good friend of mine. We grew up together. And um, we was working in different barbershops. But we was saving money to open a restaurant. Okay. So, uh, the week after Easter, I was at work and he appeared in the barbershop that I worked at. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? Why you ain't at work? And I could tell he was irritated. He was like, man, me and dude then got into it. He said, man, we got to do something. And I looked at him and I said, well, we ride up to Cleveland tomorrow. I, I, I heard some things about Cleveland. We're going to ride up to Cleveland tomorrow. He was like, all right. So Sunday, and it, that was a Saturday. So Sunday came. Sunday we rode up here to Cleveland. Yeah. And we rode around. I went to the mall. I didn't even see no black kids at the mall. I went to the McDonald's. Wasn't nobody black working at McDonald's. I said, 
ain't no black people up here. So I left and I went back. And two weeks later, the same guy came. And I told him, I said, man, I went to your city. And he was like, yeah, what do you think? I said, it's a nice small town, but uh, ain't no black people. He was like, man, they there, you just got to find them. I said, man, ain't no kids at the mall. <laughs> he was like, well, they do things a little different up there. And I was like, ain't no kids at the mall? You know, because in Chattanooga, there's kids running around the mall that you're supposed to say where your parent at. Because they, I mean, they just everywhere. But and that's just how it went, you know. So um, we came back up here on another Sunday. Right. And as we approached uh, Super Saver, it was an old guy, black guy, pulled out in front of us in a Cadillac, smoking like hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was this guy, uh, I met him later. They called him Cadillac Man, okay. Mr. Rucker. Okay. Real good guy, real good guy. I right. mean, he was a, actually, he was a veteran, great guy. And um, it was on a Sunday about 2 o'clock. Right. And... Well, once he pulled out in front of us and said, he going to the hood. We're going to follow him. Right, right, so right. we just followed him, and he came right down Emmons Street. It's about 2 o'clock. Well, we came right down here, right down Emmons Street. Yeah. And all the churches had just let out. Yeah. Because back then, churches didn't get out at 2 o'clock. It was black people everywhere. I looked at him. I said, we have a ride. <laughs> so I just rolled around. Uh -huh. We just rode around. We stayed in this area and we just rode around and we just talked to people. We was like, hey, what's going on? How's everything? What y'all need up here? And, you know, we saw plenty of little kids and we, we saw, you know, we just saw a lot of people. Some people was kind of reluctant to talk to us. Some people was like, you know, why are you asking all these questions and what you going to do about it? You know, so uh, one girl, <laughs> it was kind of funny. She was a heavier girl. And I said, hey, let me holler at you for a minute. She turned around and said, holler at who? Yeah. And I thought about it and said, hold on. That ain't what I meant. <laughs> that ain't what I meant. I said, hey, what y'all need up here? And she looked at me and she said, we need a barber shop. Because dude just do what the hell he want to do. And it was another guy that was cutting hair across town. So I looked at my partner and I said, well, there it is. We heard it from more than one person. So we started looking for places. And this place here was available. And How long did it take to find this place? About 10 minutes. How long you been here? Since 20 years. 20 years yeah. in the same location. Well, we moved out once under false pretenses. And so we came back. Well, when we came back, it was just me. It was no longer R&B. It was the name, but just the R. Okay. So... so um, were you already aware of the history of the black-owned businesses on Inman Street before you opened up here? You no. know that this was the kind of the hub of uh, of uh, black businesses right where you're at? No, I mean, I knew nothing about Cleveland. Absolutely nothing. So why'd you pick this, this location? Well, because, you know, like I said, when I first discovered, you know, the black people, you notice all the churches. Mm -hmm. You know, because when people get out of church, they kind of stand around. And, and most people go to church close to where they live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just kind of stayed in this area. And we just drove around this area just talking to people. And, you know, for a barbershop, you, you know, people get dropped off. People walk. 
you kind of want to be in a good location where people can get to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I told my partner. I said, hey, we got to find a spot in this square. And the square that we was looking at was from, uh, what is that? Uh, the pilot gas station up the street mm-hmm. to this red light right here. Mm-hmm. And that was the location. That was the area that I wanted to be in. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to be on this street, and it just happened to be like that. Okay. Tell me about, so tell me about the role of, of the barbershop in the black community, right? It's, it's kind of different than barbershop in white community, right? I can't answer that. I only see it from one side. That's fair. Well, let me tell you about how it is in the white community. Okay. We go get our haircut, we leave. Oh, well. Like we walk in, we walk in the door, and we hope that there's not a line. And if it's too uh, much of a line, we go to a different barbershop. Oh, yeah, that don't happen. <laughs> well, I mean, people, you know, everybody looks for convenience, period. Yeah. Everybody looks for convenience. Nobody want to be there all day. But, you know, while they're here, you know, people gonna, people talk. You know, people talk, and they're they going to try to find out what they want to know. and. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that happened, they're going to voice their opinion on it, and they want to know what you think. And I don't really have a problem telling you what I think. Yeah. And that's just kind of what it is. It's kind of like an information hub. You know, anything that's going on, people bring flyers and hang flyers in the barbershop. And, mm-hmm. you know. I tried to come in here to get my hair cut once. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of not being through the door. I think it was a Saturday morning. And I think I came at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it was already too late. Because I was so far behind in line. I would have been here till like 2 in the afternoon probably. Waiting mm-hmm. because this place was so full. Is that average Saturday? Yeah, that's about how Saturdays go. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was really, I was really surprised at how many people come in to sit, to talk, to wait. There was kids playing all over the floor, you know, just people everywhere. I haven't, to be honest, I don't know if I'd ever been in a barbershop like that or seen a barbershop like that except in a movie, to be honest. Um, because I do think culturally it's so different. Uh, you know, the you're talking about how you went and you looked at churches and how people kind of can't congregate outside the church and still talk and hang out and, and, and do that. Uh, and that's what drew you to this part of town as kind of that same way in here. At least it was on the Saturday that I was in here, uh, hoping to get my, you know, I, I came in and I think someone had even warned me. I, I don't know if it was Olympia or Dusty. Somebody said, you know, you better get there early because if you don't get there early, it's not going to happen, you know. And so I came by and I was like, I made the mistake of stopping, I think, over at Cameron's or something first and then came up, came over and I was like, <laughs> oh man, I did that backwards. When you, when you moved here from Chattanooga, did you feel like an outsider at all? Did you have to overcome anything in terms of being here in this community? Well, it, it was different. I mean, yeah. Cleveland is different from anywhere else in the world, I think. Because people here are so used to people here. You know, most of them are family here or there, you know. And 
when we came, our mission was to serve. It wasn't to step on toes mm -hmm. and, you know, be respectful in everything you do. And that's what we was grounded on, you know, because we listened to what they complained about the other barber, and we just tried to do the opposite. You know, when the complaints was about respect, <coughs> conversations, you know, you can't have an indecent conversation in front of, you know, women and kids. Right. Men, preachers, you know, because you don't never know who's a minister. Because we got a lot of ministers here to just walk in and they got on jeans, t-shirt, and ball cap. Some of them wear cowboy hats. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and I don't believe in, you know, in decent conversations right. in front of people like that. Even though you don't know that's who he is. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got to always just kind of pay attention to what's going on and who you're talking to and what you're talking about. Because especially in a community like this, because conversation, a regular conversation, you just kind of talking about somebody, mm -hmm. that's her sister. And she ain't going to say a word. <laughs> but by the time you leave right, the barbershop, right, 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 yeah. by the time you get to your car, her and three sisters are standing there waiting on you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm telling right, you, right. I've seen it happen a thousand times. I'm amazed by Rodney's sense of customer service. He truly thinks of every single person as important and unique, and he's not willing to rush anybody for any reason. He just wants to do the best job that he can. Tell me a little bit about, tell me about Spoonies. What's your vision for Spoonies? Oh, man. Probably way bigger than the building. <laughs> According to my mom, anyway. She, I, 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 let me tell you what I want Spoonies to be. I yep. want... My vision for Spoonies, I'm looking for live music. That's something that I want. Something that, that's something that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Live music, great food, good times. And just a place where you can go and sit down and eat, watch sports or whatever. Well, with my mama there, you're going to watch Judge Judy. <laughs> but... You know, just a place where to sit down and have good fresh food. And that's our goal is for your food to always be good. Because mm -hmm. we ain't going to change nothing that we do. Because everything is going to be right. <clears throat> what made you, so you've already got this business. And you've been doing this for 20 years. You know, what made you want to do that as well? <clears throat> well, remember, I came to open it well, not necessary but I had a restaurant in mind before I came and actually my mother was selling fish behind my barbershop because you know it was a, it's a it's a thing where when there's nobody doing it everybody wants it mm -hmm. when one person starts doing it everybody starts doing it it kind of fizzles out right sure so my mother was selling fish behind my barber shop, and one day it was raining like crazy. Tent was blowing. I mean, and I just told her, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna get you out of this. If you still want to do it, she was like, "Hey, this ain't my job. I'm retired." She was like, "This ain't my job. I'm retired." And I asked, I said, "Well, would you, would you partner with me on it?" She was like, "Yeah, but 
I don't want to work like that. I said, well, we'll, we'll make it happen. Just get it started and we'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened. You know, this building came, it came open and they allowed us to cook outside the building because we didn't have a ventilation system. The one where you're at now? All right. Okay. And, you know, that didn't last long. They figured out, okay, they're making a little money. So they came and pressed the issue. So we had to go out and spend this money to get this ventilation system. And once that happened, we've been just kind of moving along. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite food there? You ain't even seen it yet. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't even seen it yet. What's your favorite that you have now? Uh, probably gumbo. Yeah? Yeah. I like the Philly. Yeah, I like the I think you make a good Philly. See, I've been, I've only tried to get my hair cut once, but I eat a Spoonies a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we were talking about how there were businesses all up and down Inman, right? This used to be a real hub for black culture and for black businesses. Um, and when all that, you know, when all that went away, you know, um, it really... I think hindered and slowed down the growth of, of black businesses in Cleveland in general. You know, not that not that there weren't some, but really when that hub went away, um, we've not seen anything like that since. You know, do you think you know you own two businesses right here? Could you ever see Inman Street? Could you ever see this area thriving with black business again? Do you it think could, it would happen? It could happen, but you know the. It got to be affordable, you know, because the building we don't have the we don't have buildings, you know, to to have a business. You know, there's no vacant buildings on up and down this street to have a business. And if they build new build new buildings, are they going to be affordable? Mm-hmm. And affordable for who is the question? Because you know, a new building, a new build, it's a hundred dollars square foot. <laughs> and, <clears throat> that, yeah, that gets ridiculous. Yeah, that's it, it can be it can be expensive for sure. Mm-hmm. Tell me about coaching. What do you coach? Coach football. Who do you coach for? I coach for Lake Forest. I am a line coach over there. Okay, offensive line coach. How long have you been coaching? I've been coaching twenty years. Yeah, plus. Tell me. Do you have uh, a lot of the youth of this area over there on, on in the Lake Forest team? No. <laughs> no, I wish I – I'm going to tell you, when I, I coached it here, I coached Little League around this area mm-hmm. for a long time, for a long time. And then I coached it when it was ignored. I'm going to say that because they didn't care. They didn't give a rat's butt about these programs over here. Mm-hmm. Until we started winning, and we kept winning, and we went other places and won, mm-hmm. and then it became, oh, College Hill got a football team up there. So you know what happened? The city came and took it. <laughs> they came and took it. The city came and took it, and kind of turned it into Cleveland youth football. And, 
Then you still got like Bradley football. So it kind of really dispersed the talent here and there. Rodney spent a lot of time as a College Hill mentor uh, with the Panthers and as a role model. And he really sees how important it is for young black people to have black mentors. This is a theme that has come up over and over and over again through the podcasts. The older generation teaching the younger generation and working hard to make sure that there's no disconnect there. And Rodney does that as good as anybody. He's so well known in the community. Um, When I think about everybody who comes through the barbershop, everybody who comes through his restaurant, and everybody that he's worked with in athletics, I would be surprised if Rodney hasn't personally met 90% 90% of the people who live in College Hill. I've seen so many kids that want to play football and parents don't let them because they don't want to obligate themselves to have to pick them up, take them to practice, stuff like that. It's just, sure. I mean, and sports can save a kid, period. Because once they hit middle school and high school, and coaches to see the talent, now they automatically got to ride to school. They got to ride to and from because now the coaches got something that they can build on. He can make my team better. And, I mean, you see it every day. They make movies out of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk now about the entrepreneurship, right, that we were, we were talking about. You're an entrepreneur. You started businesses. You're self-starter. And... What are some of the hurdles that you see? I mean, obviously we know there's hurdles in general, but I mean Mm -hmm. specifically here in this area, right, that you see. You said, you know, you said you got a lot to say on it, so I'll turn you loose. (laughs) All right, I'm going to tell you. Spoonies was put where it's put for one specific reason, so people go out. Prices are made affordable so people can afford it, you know, and we, we, we did Spoonies so we can, you know, so we can kind of contribute so you can get a meal for five bucks, mm-hmm. you know, versus trying to get a ride somewhere to get it, you know, but, you know, pe- people are, I can't, I don't want to say People are negative. Some people are very negative or very hateful, so to speak, or hate to see you do well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got people that live on this street that's never stepped in that restaurant. Could not tell you what we serve. They live right here on this street. And every time they see you, they'll say, I got to get over there. I got to get over there. And, you know, I, I don't respond mm-hmm. negatively to them. I just tell them, hey, We'll be there. Whenever you decide to make your way, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. But it's a shame, man, that people don't support. Right. People don't support. Because right now, I can tell you that black and white, the ratio, it's like 80-20 white. Right. I wasn't going to say it. I, I wasn't sure if I could say it. but So I told you, I eat in there a lot. Yeah. And when I go in, if Olympia's not in there, I've never seen a black person in it other than your mom. You know what I mean? And so, like, the majority, you know, we made this joke before. They've heard it a bunch. You haven't heard it. But when I explain soul food to my kids, 
I said it's maybe the greatest gift that black people ever gave the white people. And they love Spoonies. Like, they love to go. And Spoonies is like the example of, this is what I mean. We go in and your mom treats us right and the food is delicious. And it's like, we never get it. And I look around, but nobody from here is even in there. The mayor's in there, right? I'm in there. Maybe I've, I've walked in a lot of times and seen Adam Lowe, who lives not close to here at all and has a business further down the road in there all the time. But I haven't seen a lot of black people mm-hmm. in there. You think it's on purpose? Like they don't want you to... tell me, You tell me just... I, let me say it. It would hurt my feelings. But that's just me. I'm not saying you have to feel that way. I, I'm saying like for me, if I owned a restaurant and the only people who came were not the people who were walking distance. Like you said, where you put it specifically for these people. You know, and those are your words, not mine. Like, you put it here on purpose to be affordable. You put it here on purpose so people could walk. And then every, and it's 80 20. You know, um, what's it, I guess, what's it feel like? How do you feel? Oh, yeah. It, it, it will hurt your feelings. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to pick them up and keep going. Yeah. You know, and I developed a motto. And some people take it the wrong way when I say it, but it is what it is. My motto is, we don't do it for those who don't, we do it for those who do. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, if you if you don't, you won't. I mean, you'll never know how good it is or how bad it is. If you can listen to somebody tell you something negative about it, and you listen to it and don't find out for yourself, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're going to keep putting out good food for the people who love it. And that's just what it is. Rodney's one of the owners of Spoonies. He owns it with his mom. The food's incredible. I have a confession. I love Spoonies. But the truth is, Rodney didn't start Spoonies for me or for the many white people who come there at lunch. I mean, don't get me wrong, they love that we're there. They love the fact that we love the food. But the truth is, Rodney created Spoonies for the local community at College Hill. He felt it was really important to have a place where locals could walk to eat, a place that they could just have as their own. And so I think it's really discouraging to him when he looks around and he sees more white faces than black faces. Because, I mean, to be honest and to be fair, he didn't make it for us, he made it for them. Why do you think it's, so this question just is me asking, I'm not trying to ask messy questions or but why is it so different? You have the barbershop, I come in, and it's easily 80-20 black to white. But right across, I could throw a baseball from here and hit the door of the restaurant, but it's 80-20 white to black over there. Why do you think they support the, the community, walks here, comes here, gets a haircut here, but they won't eat across the street? <laughs> you have to I mean you have to wonder about it or well, think about it it's it's all about choices man it's all about choices and and what's cool and it's kind of like Starbucks you know you know how many people walk around with a Starbucks cup with gas station coffee in it it's a lot they just want you to see the Starbucks cup mm-hmm. people come in here with Chick-fil-A stuff and you know I've ate that Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A ain't bad, but mine is better. 
You know, you drove all, you drove way over there to get that. That's what you get. You know, sure. that's what you yeah. get. I do agree that yours is better. Yeah, that's, that's what true. you get. I mean, the service is great at Chick-fil-A, but you can't eat service. I hadn't had any issues with racism because when I recognize it, if it, if I can if I can walk away from it, I will. You know, and I, I've seen some stuff, and I've seen I was sitting at the city council meeting when um, uh, the city councilman sat up there and was talking about um, uh, he had got caught in the police car talking about going to Nigger Town and all this stuff. I forgot I forget his name, but when they called him out on it, Charlie. And they called Avery, Avery called him out on it, and you know what he did? He picked up a piece of paper and started reading an apology. I mean, he read an apology. And I kind of watched how that unfolded, and I, hey, it was just kind of a kick in the tail. Just to say, hey, you know, no matter what you, no matter what you think, other people don't think like you. You know, so... You know, I just kind of, I stay in my lane. I stay in my lane. And if somebody tell me, you can't do this because you're black, I ain't never had that happen to me. Because the stuff that I try to do, I try to do because I'm black. Because I got kids that look up to me. Because I'm a man. You know, I got a family to take care of. I'm going to do what I got to do. And it's not black or white. It's just being an individual just trying to raise kids to, look at their daddy and say, that's what my daddy did, period. I really loved talking with Rodney. He has an entrepreneurial spirit that refuses to be held down. He lives by a personal code. I love the fact that he looks for a need and then he tries to fill it. The world would be a lot better off if more people were like Rodney, paying attention to needs and then seeing if they have what it, what it takes to fill that need. That's the kind of guy Rodney is. It's the kind of guy he was years ago before he even moved his barbershop to Cleveland. It's the kind of guy he is now as he continues that barbershop and he keeps Spoonies alive for his local community. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if we don't see more businesses from Rodney before it's over. There's a real need, I think, not just in our town, but in many towns for black entrepreneurship the people who go out and build jobs, make businesses work, and take care of needs in their community. That's who Rodney is. Are you enjoying listening to College Hill? We sure hope so. And if you are, we'd love you to know that this was made possible through the generous donations of the United Way of the Ekoi region. The United Way does so many things in the community, from helping people with poverty to education the United Way is focused on every community that they're in, and that is especially true of the United Way of the Koei region.